absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. All right, welcome podcast patrons to Leave the Pin In interview series. Uh, Tonight we have a very special guest, one that I am very much looking forward to speaking to. We have Mr. Tad Fujikawa. Tad, how's everything going? It's going pretty good. No complaints here. I'm uh, just living the dream. (laughs) And uh, so, Tad, you're originally from Hawaii, right? But you're not there right now? No, no. I'm I'm obviously uh, born and raised in Hawaii. Um, after I finished high school, uh, I moved to Georgia to pursue uh, my golf career. Um, so I, I live in Georgia most of the year and then, you know, travel and, and play tournaments and that sort of thing. Where in Hawaii were you born? Oahu, um, right in Honolulu, like 10 minutes from the airport, pretty much middle of the island. And uh, I've lived there my whole life. So it's, it's really, uh, really special. Very cool. I think we have a mutual friend of, of Tim at Oahu Golf Apparel, correct? Yes, yes. Tim is a great guy. I've known him, oh my gosh, I've known him since like, because he used to work at the, I think he was the assistant pro at uh, this country club that I used to practice at uh, when I was like 14, 15 years old, I think. And uh, it's really cool how he's doing such great things now. Yeah, he's such a positive dude. Um I, I sent him like a random message once because I wanted to know if he made kid size clothing, which at the time he didn't yet. And I said, you know, my son just won his second golf tournament. I said, and you know, I told him if he won three in a row, I'd get him some apparel. And he was like, oh, dude, that's so sick. Like, congrats, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, in our mailbox shows up socks, hat, shirts for him. And I was like, dude, you got to be kidding me. Like, what a good man. Yeah. 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 He's such a great person and, uh, got a good heart. And, and, you know, that, that just speaks volumes of, of who he is, you know, most people that I've met from the islands seem to be like that. They're so warm and welcoming. Uh, I was back there a while ago, back in 96, uh, for a while, uh, up in Kona on the, on the big Island and never made it to any of the other islands. And every single person that I met had kind of the same vibe, whether you were from there or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, there's something about living on an Island and you're just isolated from, from everything. Um, you know, like literally your only way on and off the Island is, is through an airplane. And, uh, I think there's just something to that, that makes, makes everyone kind of come together in a way and uh obviously you still have have some not so great people that that you try to stay away from but uh but overall i I was very very uh blessed to be able to be you know born and raised there and and to have such great family and friends yeah some people don't like the hollies out there you know but uh i got that a few times but for the most part everyone was pretty cool yeah, yeah. And I think it might I think it might just be the Hawaiian Islands tad cuz I grew up on Long Island and not and there were not many friendly people there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think that's a totally different uh situation. <laughs> yeah, I I could not agree more, trust me. <laughs> Um, so, so let's, let's go back into your way back past a little bit. Can you kind of tell us a little bit of how you got actually into the game of golf and, and kind of what, what captured you within the game, like from the get go? Well, I didn't actually didn't start golf, um, you know, at a very young age. I mean, most of the, most of the kids nowadays are starting at three, four five years old, but, um, I did judo really competitively and um, that was like my main focus. I wanted to go to the Olympics uh, for judo and that sort of thing. Um, And then I actually took up golf to build my grip strength for judo. And that was right around like eight years old. And then um, at 11, I kind of had to make a decision on, on what I wanted to do and, and, uh, just you know focus on one thing and uh i just i think i was tired of of training and and, you know i I just devoted so much time and effort into judo and um i don't know just something about golf uh just 
attracted me, I guess, in a way. And um, what's good about golf is you can you can literally do it for the rest of your you know for your whole life. And um, I think there's there's something to that. Uh, and, and the game is the game just brings out your true character. You know, it, it teaches you so many life lessons. And um, obviously, at the time when I was 11 and 12, I didn't know all of this stuff, but. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I'm just so glad that um, I've been able to to do what I have and, and to meet uh, meet the people that I've uh, had the opportunity to, to, to come in contact with. Yeah, I think you make a great point of how this game can really expose you because there's nothing to hide behind. It's just you out there <laughs> and, you know, it, it's it could be the most isolating feeling in the world having to write down a simple number, you know, like a six on a par four or, or nine on a par five. I mean, that's just like one of the worst feelings in the world and you can't hide it. No, no, it's, uh, it's just one of the, like you said, it's, it's, uh, it just exposes you, you know, and, um, but it, it definitely does teach you a lot. And, uh, I've been very, very thankful and fortunate to, to do what I have and and to have the experiences, uh, you know, that, that I've gone through. It's one of those games where within 10, 15 minutes of meeting somebody, you can kind of tell exactly <laughs> who they are, you know, throughout their whole life. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it, it really is crazy. Like, if you play with someone and within five or six holes, like, you can tell their personality, how they are, you know, that sort of thing. And it's, it's just crazy. It's, it's such a great game. And, um, you know, it, it, it opens up so many doors, uh, not only obviously as a professional athlete, but, um, you know, in business and, and networking as well. Yeah. Um, if you've got time for a quick story and we never get political on here whatsoever, cause honestly, I just don't care. Everyone that's, that's in it is just a bunch of fools anyway. Right. But I was talking with a well-known caddy who asked that if, if and when I tell the story not to use his name or the people he's worked for. And I said, that's not a big deal. But but it's four or five big-time golfers that if you heard the name, even non-golf people would know. And he's actually still out on tour now with a another very well-known guy. And he got asked by Donald Trump about three, four years ago to caddy at Mar-a-Lago um, for a bunch of his friends. So within the first hole, he's caddying for Trump now. Within the first hole, Trump hits a ball into the woods. And he's like, go in there and find it. And he says, you know, Mr. Trump, I I can't find it. And he goes, all right, well, just drop one there for me. And he goes, "Uh, okay. So he drops the ball. Trump hits it. It goes back into the woods again now. The rest of his playing partner is about 100 yards away, right? He goes, drop another one. And he goes, okay. So finally, Trump picks the ball up and puts it on the green. And he goes, look, Mr. Trump, I know I'm your caddy and you've paid me to do this and I'll do whatever you say. I just don't feel too comfortable with this. I guess they were playing for a pretty substantial amount of money. And Uh Trump says to him within the first hole, he goes, look, I cheat on my wife. I cheat in business. Do you think I'm not going to cheat in golf? (laughs) And and he said, as as he's telling me this, he says, you know, he goes, you know, Dan, he goes, if I would have alerted the public to this four years earlier, maybe we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. <laughs> I tell you what, it's, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, that story is just too perfect. I, I just, oh my goodness, that is. That is hysterical. Yeah, and, and you can't make this stuff up because sometimes <laughs> truth is just stranger than fiction. You just, I mean, you just can't draw it up. That's just, that's just too perfect. I yeah. can't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I mean, there you go. Within, what, 12 minutes of playing an opening par four, you know? <laughs> and, and so I said to him, I said, so what score did he walk away with? He goes, oh, he made a par. <laughs> Of course. Uh, that It sounds like, you know, some of your drunk amateurs you would play with like on a Saturday or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they yep. hit three balls in the woods and like, ah, eh, just put me down for a four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so you have had, you had the distinction at the time of being the second youngest. Oh, actually, let's, let's go even back. Let's go back before. You qualified for the 2006 U.S. Open. Yes. Okay. Uh, where did you where did you do your qualifying site at? Where was that? 
Um, so I did my local qualifying in Hawaii, and um, I actually I did my sectional in Hawaii as well. That was the last year they had sectionals in Hawaii. And um, <clears throat> I don't know how many guys. There are probably maybe 15 guys or maybe 20 guys. I'm not sure, but it was just for one spot. And uh, just so happened I had a good a good two rounds and <laughs> and I qualified but um but yeah it, that was the last year they had sectionals in Hawaii okay and so at that point you're you're 15 years old or you 16 no I was 15 at that time okay so 15 years old you qualify for the U.S. Open you're a sophomore in high school um or ju- sophomore junior I, right something about that no I think I was a sophomore okay yeah, I think I was a sophomore. If if you can remember back, what is your headspace like as a sophomore in high school qualifying for the U.S. Open? <clears throat> Honestly, I, I, I don't even know. Like, it, I mean, I was like, okay, I just qualified for the U.S. Open, but I didn't, I didn't know really the magnitude of it honestly that was my first usga event out of all of them are you wait wait hold on your first usga event is is the u.s open yeah i mean because like at 14 i tried to i think i tried to qualify for the u.s junior but i mean i was going against kids that were like 17 you know so um my chances weren't that good (laughs) and uh and, you know, right around that time is when kind of my golf started picking up, like, you know, 14-ish. And uh, I started doing, you know, pretty well in junior and amateur events and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I just, I didn't, well, and plus to the, the U.S. Open is the first one you try to qualify for out of all of them. Like, USM, at that time, it was like public links, um, and then the U.S. Junior as well. So the U.S. Open qualifying was the first out of all of them. So I, I qualified for the U.S. Open, and, and that was my that was my first USGA event ever in my life. So I, I started off with the biggest one, and um, after that, everything seemed kind of easy, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it was I, like, okay, well, uh, I've been on, like, the hardest golf course ever, like, and uh, everything seems really easy. <laughs> Yeah, just go big or go home, right? I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it, it was crazy. I mean, obviously, I didn't I didn't realize, um, and it, it definitely didn't hit me, um, you know how how big of a deal it, it really was. Um, but I mean, obviously, thinking back at it, it's it, it's pretty crazy. Who caddied for you? Um, I think like one of my coaches uh, at that time, like one of my coaches, good friends. Um, I mean, we've, we, at that time we were kind of, uh, we were pretty close. We, we knew each other pretty well. And, um, so it was, uh, it was a good time. We, we really, really, uh, enjoyed being in the atmosphere and stuff. So it was, it was fun. And that, I mean, that is in terms of us opens, you know, that was a memorable one. That was Ogilvy winning. And that's Phil sitting in the press conference after hitting it on top of the hospitality 10 on 18 <laughs> into a garbage can and sitting there going, I'm such an idiot. Like I am just such an idiot. And that's, I mean, it, it's still the major that has eluded him. It, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, that was definitely his, his to win. I mean, he, he had it in the bag and, um, <clears throat> I mean, it, the craziest thing is I'm not, I don't know why he hit driver. <laughs> Nobody so- does. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the hole's sort of a dog leg left from what I can remember, and, you know, you just kind of hit, like, a a, dry, a two iron or, like, a three wood out to the, uh, kind of to the corner, and, you know, he, there's no use for him to hit, I mean, obviously for me, I think I hit driver, because I, I wasn't hitting it long enough at that point, but, um, but I mean, it's, it's yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know, it, you know, looking back at it, I just, it, <laughs> it just, blows my mind to think that why did you hit driver <laughs> but uh but who knows i mean he's uh he's definitely done some some amazing things and I, I hope he does win the u.s open i mean it's he's he's been so close so many times and uh you know he's he's a great guy so it was uh <clears throat> i i really wish him the best 
Do you remember at all who you were paired with those first two days? Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it's just, it was, a, it's just a rant. I mean, you've played so many rounds. I don't expect you. I just, just was curious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was Stephen Woodard and John Koskinen. Wow, that's um, a, that's that's a great memory because that is, I've right? never heard of John Costner. I've heard yeah, of I've yeah. heard of Woodard before, but never the other guy. Yeah, I think they were. Um, I think they were both playing like mini tours or something at that point. Um, but yeah, they, they were. You know, all the qualifiers get get paired together and that sort of thing. So gotcha. Um, yeah. So now, so at this time, you're living in Hawaii, right? Fifteen, sixteen year old <laughs> kid. Uh, are you playing on your local high school team? Yeah, at that, uh, I think at that point I was, um, trying to think. I know I played my freshman year, uh, in high school and then I didn't play my sophomore year. Um, and then I think after that I turned pro, I guess, but, um, but yeah, I played my freshman year, and then I didn't play after that. Okay. Now, were you like getting recruited at all by any schools, or were you too young at that point? I mean, I was too young to like actually speak to any schools, right? Right. And, you know, uh, do any like campus visits or anything like that. Um, at that point, I, I was um, I was doing some AJGA stuff, and uh, I think my my ranking in juniors was like seventh i think at the highest um and then at at uh obviously then i then i qualified for the u.s open and then but i was still playing junior golf i think at that point um so like some schools were definitely interested but then uh, obviously like the next year i turned pro so <laughs> so that that kind of went down the drain yeah <laughs> <laughs> so then the next year you become the second youngest person to make a cut on the PGA Tour at the 2007 Sony Open. Now, um, you're the third youngest. There was somebody back in like the 50s, and then uh, uh, t- uh, Tin Wong uh, Guan, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, geez, the yeah. kid that made it to the Masters that they mm-hmm. gave the slow play, slow play penalty to. He's <clears throat> the second youngest, but someone like 52 made it in some Canadian tour event that we used to have up mm-hmm. there in, in Canada. But so... Even today, 2019, the third youngest ever uh, at the Sony Open. And before we started recording, I was telling you the story is that I can clearly remember. Like there's some golf to- you know, golf shots or tournaments that I was sitting there watching that are just clear as day. And this is one. You hit your second shot on the 18th at Sony in the second round, and you walk that shot up to the green. And you've got like... 15 feet for eagle you hit the putt and it looks like it's just the last two feet it just looks like it's going to miss left i mean it looks like it's got no chance of going in and (laughs) it's it sneaks inside door you drop the eagle make the cut by three the place goes nuts for the local kid the putter drops the hands go up you get the big fist pump and i was like oh hell yeah i was like that's my (laughs) boy right there it's crazy i i don't even know where all of those reactions came from i mean it just it it just happened and uh i mean maybe that's the beauty of it but uh but man it it was crazy i mean looking back at it it was uh something i'll definitely never forget did you um i gosh what what was going through your head not at the time because because look i get at the time you just black out like those are just guttural reactions but Mm -hmm. when you get done with that day and you sign your scorecard did it ever register to you that like i'm 16 years old i'm playing the weekend at a pga tour event like when does that sink in um you know i i think making the cut wasn't um, I don't want to say it wasn't that big of a deal, but it didn't hit me really until like the third day. Um, cause I shot 66 the third day as well. And that put me like somewhat close to the lead. 
Um, so I was like somewhat in contention, I think, going into the last day. And uh, I think at that point it, it hit me. And um, I was paired with Fierik in the last round. And uh, that was a, that was definitely an experience. At that time, he was, you know, one of the top players in the world and he was playing really well. So, um, so yeah, it, it was really cool. I mean, it, it, when you're that young, you just don't have any expectation. You know, you just go out there and you're having fun and enjoying it and obviously like with with my home crowd and having that many people there I mean it was literally like every hole four five six deep on both sides I mean like all the way down it was just crazy um how many people were there it was just mind-blowing but um but yeah I mean I just I think I fed off the crowd a lot as well and I just had the adrenaline going but uh but man it, it was it was really fun and um I definitely uh, had a lot of great, great memories from that. Yeah, and that's not an exaggeration. I mean, it literally was four, five, six people deep, yeah. and they haven't had. Yeah. You know, the Sony is a a um, a popular event, obviously, and usually the first full field event of the year nowadays. But the crowds are nothing like they were back in the day. You know, when they had a local kid to to cheer for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's actually been some other players, um, you know, younger guys that have qualified as well. Um, and uh, but I don't. I, it, it just didn't seem like it was as big of a deal. I don't know. Maybe because at that time there weren't that many young younger players. I I don't really know. Um, but uh, but it, it was really cool. I mean, it's it's just always nice seeing people that. Um, that I grew up with doing well, honestly. And, um, you know, a lot of my friends and stuff from Hawaii have, have Mondayed in or, or qualified into the event. And it's just, a, it's such a great experience, you know, playing in front of like your friends and family and that sort of thing and being inside the ropes, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's really special. Yeah. Now is, is while I near where you grew up, like, are you sleeping in your own bed those nights? I or? Am. Okay, yeah. okay. So that's yeah, a, that's I, a I big am. plus. I mean, it's, it's probably with no traffic. It's probably twenty minutes to Wailai, but uh, with traffic, it could be you know four or five minutes to an hour. It just kind of depends. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you feel as being you know back in the day as being a pro from Hawaii? Now, obviously, you're in the mainland. Uh, how much harder is it for Hawaiians with travel to tour events? Or, or is there even um, any problem with, with travel from Hawaii to the rest of the mainland nowadays? It's, um, it's really difficult. <laughs> Simply put, it's, it's really, really hard. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, what I was doing doing well in those tournaments I had a lot of opportunities to play in other tour events and at that time I was still in high school and still living in Hawaii so you know I was flying flying a lot and um I went I think the longest flight was probably from Hawaii to like Switzerland that was oh (laughs) wow that was really really long um but uh but it was so worth it. That was, you know, Switzerland is probably one of my favorite places I've ever been to. And, um, but I mean, it's, it's just really difficult. I mean, you, you think about it, the, the nearest land is five hours by plane, you know, and, and, uh, it's California. And then, you know, not to, not to mention all the other places that, you know, you have to fly to after that. So it's, uh, it's really difficult and it's expensive and it's definitely not, I don't think it's feasible to, uh, to live there and play professional golf. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't really see too many pros, um, come out of there. I mean, I think of Michelle, Wee. uh, I think of you, uh, then I can't think of anyone else after. Yeah. There's, um, there's John Oda, uh, he's i think three years younger than i am okay Um, funny story we actually his sister and i were like close friends in high school and then he actually went to the same high school as as i did um he plays on the web.com right now but he's been doing really well um but i think he lives in vegas now so um so yeah it's 
no one really lives in Hawaii and plays professional golf anymore. It's uh, it's it's just too far. It's a shame because there's so many beautiful courses out there, and I know the golf culture in Hawaii is very very strong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, golf. You know, I think Michelle um, definitely had a huge impact on the game in Hawaii. Um, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know having someone in the spotlight like that um, just opens so many doors for the next generation coming up. And uh, <clears throat> obviously, with Tiger Woods and everything, you know, he's he's totally just changed the game. And uh, you know, kids kids three four five years old you know are, are starting and and it's just it's just a diff, different kind of uh a different mentality i guess towards the game but um but yeah i mean it's it's crazy because we do have so much talent in hawaii um it just it kind of just sucks to be isolated you know that far from everything but um but i mean there's there's some great great talent great golfers and you know i'm just just waiting for for more guys to come up and and start making making uh, big names for themselves. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so how how's your game been as of late? Tell us a little bit about that. And um, do you have status on any tours, or what's kind of the game plan moving forward? Um. So I really struggled with my game from uh, twenty. 2011, 2012 to like 2016-ish. Um, so for that, that period of time, about five years, I just totally lost my game. I lost my confidence. Um, I went into pretty bad depression for a few years and <clears throat> had really bad anxiety, that sort of thing. But um, my game suffered at that point uh, quite a bit. And then... <clears throat> um, the past couple years have been better. Um, I've I feel like mentally I'm in a better place. Um, my golf is not ideal. I mean, obviously I, I like to be. Uh, I don't have status anywhere. Um, I have. I've had status uh, in on the PJ Tour Canada, on the Mackenzie Tour for uh, I think two years, and then I I just decided not to go back. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my, my game's my game's okay. I'm just working at it and just playing mini tours and doing Mondays and and uh, just trying to work my way up. But um, but yeah, it just takes it takes a you know one good week and, and a little bit of momentum and you know things can change pretty quick. So I'm I'm hoping uh, hoping for the best. It's always crazy to me that golf seems like the one game where. The way we view people is associated with the scores that they shoot or how well they play. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like if you're if you're playing well, like you're an awesome guy or you're an awesome girl, you're a great person, you're you know the, the savior of the world, and we want to hear exactly what you say about everything. But if you're not playing well, you are like morally and socially inept – um, you can't do anything right, and your opinion does not count. <laughs> that is so true. I mean, it's kind of like that with any professional, you know, sport. Really, um, I think the media is just so—it's it, so into like comparison and results and and how well you're doing and that sort of thing. And, and it's just there's just so much more to that. And I, I personally had to learn that because all of my worth came from, <laughs> came from my golf, you know, and, and the results that I had and, uh, and shoot, I, I was doing pretty well for a while there. And, um, you know, when, when all of that went away, it's like, I had nothing to live for at that point. And, um, it was, it was hard on me. I mean, I, I had so much, I don't want to say pressure because, it, you know, it really wasn't from other people, but um, mainly just myself. I had so much expectations and, and that sort of thing, and I just had to learn learn how to kind of let it go. And um, obviously, it took me a long time to to learn that. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those things you you just kind of you just kind of grow up and and all of that stuff. And, and it's uh, you know, with golf. You just learn all these things um, just by playing it, and 
and I think that's why it's such a great sport. I always sound like a broken record on here because <clears throat> one of the things that I'm passionate about, and my buddy Scott, who does the podcast with me, is that golf can be anything to anyone. You know, it doesn't have to be within like these stuffy confines of you must wear a polo, you can't wear shorts, you must play at a country <laughs> club. You know what I mean? So, like, people will be like, well, I'm not really a golfer because I just go to the range and hit driver. Well, okay, but that's what the sport is to you. You know, like, I like basketball, but I'm not trying to get into the NBA at five foot four. Like I like to, you know, I like to shoot around and, and, and maybe a play, play a pickup game. So you just kind of make it what, what it is to you, whether that's mini golf or playing only par threes or, you know, going out and, and playing music, uh, when you're out there in a t-shirt or, or whatever, just going out and, and playing. So what is golf to you nowadays? Um, I mean, golf is obviously, it's what I do, you know, it's, it's my job and, um, it's, it's something that I am, I am learning to, I'm learning to enjoy again, um, which is kind of a, a, a nice thing for a while there. I just, I lost my, I lost my love for the game and, um, it, it was difficult, you know, forcing myself to go and practice and get out of bed and do all that stuff but um but I mean now it's it's uh I feel like my purpose is different um you know I want to make a difference in in the lives of other people and uh I feel like I can use golf as a platform to do so and um you know to to share my story and and that sort of thing uh it, it really means a lot to me and um to be able to to make a difference um you know, it's, it's something that I'm very, very passionate about. And, uh, I feel like golf, um, golf can, can do that for me and, uh, and, and for other people as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, my, obviously like results, results are, are important. And, and that is something that, um, no doubt is, is, uh, is, is what drives me. But, um, it, it, in the end, uh, obviously there's, there's more to it than just winning tournaments, you know? So you talked about purpose, you know, and, and helping people out. Um, and most people know, and most people that listen to this podcast are going to know that you have a pretty big Instagram following and that you're very active on social media. So a little while back, uh, you made a big announcement on Instagram, which, you know, I guess you could say maybe caught the golf world uh, off guard and you came out as the first openly gay male professional golfer. Um, I guess my first question is what, what was the mindset of using social media to let your fans and kind of fellow people in the industry know that? Um, so when I, when I posted that, um, I didn't have that many followers. I think I had maybe 2000 something so it wasn't that many followers and um i mean shoot i I still don't have that many followers but um but when i shared that it was it wasn't for myself um i had just came you know prior to to sharing that on social media i had um i had told my family you know that i was gay and um at that point uh, I had the acceptance and and the support that I needed, and after that, I, I, I didn't. I, I literally didn't care. Um, I told the people that matter to me the most, my friend, my closest friends, my family, and, uh, and 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 that's all that mattered. After that, I was just remotely doing it to hopefully help someone else. Um, I know that. I struggled so much with my own um, self-image and and uh, and that sort of thing, you know, with being gay. And I, I just, I really struggled with that a lot. And uh, I, I really wanted to deny it and that sort of thing. And it, it just, it mentally, it, it just took a toll on me. And um, seeing other stories from other people coming out and. Um, that really helped me through some of my lowest times and, 
uh, you know, whether they were athletes or, you know, celebrities, that sort of thing. Um, it, 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 all the stories helped me so much. Um, it just gave me hope. And that's the reason why I shared my stories. Just, I wanted to give someone else hope. And if it was just one other person, um, that, that I could help, then it, it would be totally worth it. And, uh, I mean, obviously after sharing it, I didn't, um, I didn't expect it to be that big of a deal, to be honest. Um, I didn't think it was going to blow up like it did. Uh, but I am very, very thankful that it did because I've been able to share my story and help so many people. And, um, you know, it, it just means, it really does mean a lot to me. What did you make about all kind of like the hoopla surrounding it? Because to me, like if someone says to me, oh, hey, Dan, I'm gay. And I'm like, oh, cool, man. Like, I like pizza. Um, okay. <laughs> like, you know, you know, like, you know, I don't know. I guess in my world, in the world that I live in or the people I surround myself with, uh, it's just like someone having blonde hair and someone having brown hair. Like, okay, cool. But I started seeing all this stuff on social media. Like, oh, my God, did you know? Did you? I'm like, well, I mean – how how would you know if you don't actually know him, you know, and how does it affect you? So so what was your like what was your first impression when you started to see all these mainstream media outlets reporting it and then Golf Digest wanting to do a story and you know like ESPN picking it up and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean honestly um Obviously, it was uh, it was a definite shock to the golf world um, and and to the sports world, I guess. Uh, but most of the stories were all very very positive. I mean, maybe it was a surprise to some. I, I don't really know, but um, you know, most of the stories were very positive. Most of the comments that I saw, um, which I try not to read, but um, I just can't help myself at times. <laughs> um, no, obviously, most of the comments were very positive, and and you get the handful of comments that are like um, that are like it. It just doesn't matter. Like I don't care, and I view that as actually very positive. Obviously, it comes across as negative initially, but. Um, it just means that they're very accepting and they they really don't care. And I believe that's the way it should be. You know, it, it's one of those things like exactly like you said, hey, I'm gay. Oh, OK, I like pizza. Let's go get pizza. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and, and really, OK, <laughs> that's, that's exactly how it should be. And um, obviously, you know, the society we live in has become a lot more accepting towards that. Um, and mostly everyone you know, around me has been very accepting of it and uh, very supportive. And um, not that I was looking for any of that, but uh, but it's, it gives me a lot of hope to to know that hey, you know, I think I think we're all moving in the right direction. And and obviously, like you get the handful of handful of people that that uh, that disagree with with the way we are, but. Um, I mean, at that point, it just, it just doesn't matter. You know, it just doesn't matter. It's just, just their beliefs. And, and I've learned to just just live my life and, and uh, do what I need to do to, uh, to make a difference. And, um, you know, I'm, but, I mean, in the golf world, it's been so positive. And I honestly, I couldn't ask for anything more. It, it's gone way beyond my, my expectations for, for how amazing it, it's been. Have you received any, um, I guess, any phone calls or people reaching out to you from the LBGTQIA community that that kind of I don't want to say put you on a pedestal, but 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 want you to use your um, kind of your message within the golf world to to talk to kids or to talk to other people going through it, you know, like, has there been anybody yeah, or, yeah. or, or even people in your direct messages that have, that have come out and said, you know, Hey, Tad, like, you know, thank you so much. This is helping me or, or things along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as far as the messages, like in the, in the DMS and stuff, I mean, it's been literally, I've probably, I honestly can't even count. There's probably been at least a thousand messages 
um, from Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that sort of thing. Uh, it's honestly just been amazing. Um, and I've been able to help a lot of people and that to me means more than anything. Um, as far as like organizations and stuff, uh, I have had a handful of them, uh, you know, come to me and, and, uh, ask for, you know, ask to, I guess, share my story, that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just been really good. I mean, <clears throat> there's been uh, one in Canada that I actually, I was just in Canada for, uh, for a video shoot, um, for the get real movement and they do um, like education uh, in schools in Canada and stuff for um, like pro LGBTQ, uh, you know, education and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's very cool. Uh, There's so many organizations that are, that are so amazing and, and uh, you know, by educating um, each other, that is the only way we will be able to move forward and be able to, um, you know, make a difference in, in the lives of others and our future generations. So, um, you know, it's, it's been great. And I hope I, I can continue to uh, share my story and to help other people. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's been really great. Do you, do you see at all your career maybe veering towards public speaking? Like maybe, I don't want to say when golf is over, but but maybe it, it diverges a little bit towards that, but still includes golf. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I want golf to be, I want golf to be my main thing. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm very passionate about it now, and I, I, I feel like I have a purpose other than just golf. And uh, but I, I do believe that I can use golf to, to further, um, you know help other people and that's that's been my main driving force for me and uh it's something you know it's something that that i want to do and I, I believe golf can do that for me um and that's one of the main main things that has uh kept me going uh, and, and you know kind of re-energized myself and and uh, you know keeps me driving forward so um but yeah i mean public speaking is not i mean I'm okay at it. I, I don't, you know, freeze up or anything, but, um, it's not necessarily like something that I, I really imagine myself doing, but, uh, but I mean, if, if it's, if I'm able to help other people through doing that, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, and I, you know, it, it's, uh, in the LGBTQ community, um, being able to share our stories and, to um just to help educate other people uh that's how we're gonna keep um moving forward and and just you know i think it's it's definitely just gonna help our our generations uh to come you know our our young young kids and stuff and just to feel accepted and loved and that's what it's all about yeah, because nobody knows more about what it feels like than the people actually going through it. Yeah, that's that's so true. That's so true. And, and the thing is, everyone is so different. All, all of our experiences are different, um, you know, between our family and our friends and, and uh, you know, sports, um, being an athlete. And, you know, all of our stories are so different. And... Um, you know, being able to relate to someone else in that way is, it's something that, uh, it's very inspiring and empowering, you know, and, and it gives us hope and, and it, uh, it, it make for me, it, it, it helped me to, to accept myself. And, and I think that's, uh, that's something that's so important. Now you're, you're down in and around the Sea Island area, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, I, I know that area. Um, and that is a very, um, older, uh, white, very upper class population. What has, or what was the reaction there? And, and again, like, you know, 
I apologize because personally I feel so stupid asking a question like that. <laughs> like, what is the reaction? You know, but I, I, I have to put myself in the shoes of the people that are listening to this. And, and right. maybe the people listening to this out there, maybe they don't know anybody that is gay or they just think that's something they see in movies, you know? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So, so what was the reaction from the, the members there or the other pros or, you know, even just people within your neighborhood there? Yeah. So first of all, um, don't feel stupid because uh, <laughs> I, I was worried about the exact same thing. I mean, obviously, like South Georgia – uh, is not or Southeast Georgia is not the most um, progressive place on the planet. Progressive place, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's extremely conservative, and you know that sort of thing. And I was honestly worried about that because I have a lot of friends here that I I I really do cherish our friendship, and I didn't know how they would react. I, I really didn't. Um, but at that point, I was like, I really don't care. <laughs> And, you know, I, I just had to have that that attitude towards it. Um, as much as that sounds really bad, it, sometimes you just need to just not care and just live your life. Um, but g- going back to that, um, to my surprise, uh, I, I honestly expected the worst. <laughs> I, I was preparing myself for the worst. But, uh, but everyone was so accepting. I, I honestly didn't. They, everyone at the club that I'm a member at, they treated me exactly the same. So, like, the day the day after and the, the, basically, like, the week after all of this stuff came out, um, no one even treated me different. And I thought that was, like, the most amazing thing ever. You know, the, the people that, you know, gave me crap, they still gave me crap. You know, and <laughs> I, I just love I just love that. You know, that, that's the way it should be. Yep. And, um you know, it's it's just it's one of those things where I didn't know going into it what to expect, but um, but it, it was definitely a pleasant surprise. Um, everyone's been so supportive and uh, so accepting, and and uh, I mean, I just it, it it definitely makes me emotional because um, you know you, you hear all these bad stories uh, about that sort of thing and. And to have hope in, in humanity in that way, it's it's really touching to me. So, I think I think for a lot of people, it can be very easy to hide behind an idea or an ideology because mm-hmm. you're not putting a face to maybe that personal hatred that you have, you know. But once it becomes somebody that you know and love, it's like, how can I dislike this person now? And and that kind of seems like what happened there. You probably have some people that beforehand were not accepting, you know, but they didn't know why yeah. they weren't accepting. Right, right. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those things where you, you know, you see all these people and you have this idea of, of how they're going to react and all this sort of things. And um, you just you just don't know. You just don't know. I mean, I've made, I feel like I've gotten closer to some of the members, honestly, just because of sharing my story. And, um, you know, it just shows that by being your true self and sharing that with other people and, you know, the people around you, um, even if it's scary and even if you think, oh my God, they're going to hate me, you know, just being authentic to yourself brings out the best in other people as well. And that's something that I've learned. And uh, I believe is is so important, um, you know, for, for me myself, and and always to remind myself of of, uh, of doing that. Yeah, just just being true to yourself is just beyond important. And I think one of the things you're doing is breaking down walls and barriers. And honestly, in today's day and age, that's something that needs to be done. We need to break down more walls. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's time. <laughs> it's definitely time. Um, and uh, you know, hopefully, I can, I can, uh, I can make a difference and and help you know other kids that that go through something similar to me and you know people that can relate to me and um, you know I've had so many messages and stuff from other people and it's it's really cool just just knowing that I've been able to help someone and. and and uh, be a positive influence on 
you know, on other people. There are many times when I'm watching the news or talking to people and I am just so fearful for the world to come at, you know, that my children are going to inherit. But honestly, right. talk, talking to you tonight has made me feel a lot better. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, we were, we were talking about it a little bit earlier, but it just takes it just takes one person and one step to just one step in the right direction to to make a change in, in the lives of so many people. And you, you just don't know. You, you really don't know. You know, you just have to be authentic. You have to be yourself um, and you, you just have to love yourself for who you are. And, and somehow that it, it just always works out for the best. And, um, you know, you, you, you make an impact on other people and, and, and then they make an impact on someone else. And it's, it's just a chain effect of, of positivity. And, uh, you know, it's, it just starts, starts with that. And, um, you know, if, if that's, if one, you know, if I had one message for, for the people that that's just something that, that I can't stress enough. Yeah, I, I love that. Honestly, that's fantastic. All right, uh, Tad, I'm going to ask you a few quick questions and, and then get you out of here because I know it's getting late and I just honestly am more than appreciative of your time uh, and honesty. Um, so let's go with this, Hawaii or Georgia? Uh, for what? <laughs> for, for overall living. You've got to oh. you've you've got to choose one, and you got to take every every factor into account. Where are you gonna Where are you gonna spend the the rest of your life if you had to? I I know I mean, my answer. You have to go with Hawaii. I mean, that's a no brainer, right? <laughs> yeah, I you know I would think so. I mean, me personally, the people that know me know how infatuated I am with the South <laughs> and and everything about it. Um, I just I think maybe the only drawback I see with Hawaii is like you mentioned before with the travel and and the fact that you know milk is like eight bucks a gallon. It is, yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Like I I don't even want to go to the grocery store there. It's really bad. Um, everything's so expensive. But I mean, like when you're in Hawaii, like you don't even have to travel. You're just you're like in paradise, like constantly. So I mean. I don't know. I, I I'd have to go with Hawaii. I'm, I'm extremely biased, but um, I don't care. <laughs> I have to go with Hawaii. <laughs> let me let me ask you this: what, What's like an average? I know it's tough to take average, but what's like an average greens fee in Hawaii for people that have never played there? We all hear these stories, um, and I, look, I remember being there. And that was 23 years ago now, and I remember you know going to the food store and getting like a two liter of Coke or Diet Coke or something. I remember it being like three fifty, and I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is not marked correctly. You know, <laughs> something's wrong here. Yeah. Yeah. It's expensive. Um, honestly, I, I don't really know what, what a green fee is there. Cause I, <laughs> I've been fortunate <laughs> enough to like not pay for golf there in my whole life basically so um i'm i'm extremely blessed in that sense but uh but it's expensive it is very expensive um definitely overpriced in, in my <laughs> in in my eyes but uh but yeah all right so then when's the last time you've paid for golf or you've had to pay for range balls oh i mean i have to pay for range balls all the time um you know when playing you know doing qualifiers and stuff um most of the most of the Mondays, you actually have to pay uh, for you know practice rounds and, and stuff like that. So um, probably like a couple weeks ago. I feel like that's the biggest nickel and dime scheme going. That's like flying a budget airline and they charge you for peanuts. I mean, someone's got to make money. I guess. Yeah, I guess oh, so. No. I guess so. <laughs> I just I feel like if you're an actual professional that has played on a real tour, you know, not like, like, look, I could, I could go on Instagram tomorrow and say, Hey everyone, I'm a golf pro. And, 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 you know, and all of a sudden I'm a, I'm a golf professional, but like, if you've got status somewhere or you've played before, or, you know, you're the second youngest to ever make the cut in PGA tour history. Like, I feel like they should just give you a card with your face on it. Good till eternity, and you just show up anywhere that golf is played, and you just flash it, and it's like universally known that you don't have to pay anything. 
I mean, that, that sounds amazing. Like, why didn't anyone come up with that earlier? Like, it's, maybe we can patent this, and you can take me along for the ride for some free. That's, that's the best idea I've ever heard. I mean, man, that's funny. Um, all right, so so what about what about favorite music? What are you listening to nowadays? What's what's getting? Oh, what's dang. getting play? Oh man, see, music is so hard for me because when people ask me that, I'm like, I listen to so many different things that it, I can't even choose one. But, um, oh my gosh, I don't know. What, I, what about the last? What about the last day or so? What 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 have you been? Okay, so spending I've the last day or so. Okay, I've been listening to uh, Ben Platt a lot. Um, he just came out with his first album. And uh, he's, I think he's gay, so he's, he's a part of the LGBTQ community as well. Um, so it's, it's easy for me to relate to a lot of the songs and stuff. But it's his, uh, I think, um, to, to me, his, his album and his lyrics is, is just so, so relatable. And uh, it's definitely got me in my feels. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, man, I, I don't know. I listen to so much, so many different artists. It just depends on. Uh, it, it really just depends on my mood. But um, yeah, understood, but yeah. understood. All right, uh, two more questions. Hawaii-centric question. Jack Johnson, Hawaiian or not? Of course, he's Hawaii. I mean, he's not like native Hawaiian. No, I know, but, but but is he is he accepted as Hawaiian? Heck yeah. Okay. I mean, I think so. I, I don't know. I, I can't speak for everyone else, but um, in, in my eyes, I believe he is. I mean, he, uh, I, I would say yes. Simple as that. Cool. <laughs> um, all right. Last question. How about how about some of your favorite courses? Um, in, in Hawaii? Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That opens okay. up a can of worms now. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. Um. So, <clears throat> Hudson National uh, in New York is probably one of my favorites. Okay, um, yeah, that, that's that's funny. Uh, my buddy and I, my buddy Scott and I, have played that, and um, someone on Instagram, I can't remember who, just had that in their story, and I was like, "Oh, dude, uh-huh. the course is sick. What'd you think about it?" And he was like, "Just he's like my favorite course ever." Yeah, yeah. It's it, I wouldn't say it's my favorite course ever, but it's definitely my top three. Um, it's just, oh, the property is just unbelievable. Um, and the, you know, the, the way the layout is, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's such a great place and the, the atmosphere you're in, it's, it's so like secluded from everything else. So it's, it's really cool. Um, and then, uh, I really like, um, Tacoma country club in, uh, yeah, Washington state. That's, that's a sweet spot. It's so cool. Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, or quite a few web.com and PGA, uh, players there that are members there. Um, it's a really cool spot. And then probably, uh, top three. I think the last one I would say is, is, um, Switzerland. Uh, they play the Omega European masters. Um, there and that course is uh just unbelievable i mean the course itself is kind of quirky there's some weird holes but um the views it's just breathtaking like it just it's like literally heaven on earth like it's it's insane how beautiful it is so that's probably my top three (laughs) so i noticed that nowhere in the top three was there a course in Hawaii or a course in Georgia? No, no. I, I think it's because I just play, like I've played too many courses in Hawaii and then yeah, I, played, I, understand. I played too much in Georgia as well. And Understood. Yeah, everything kind of just, there, there's nothing, I mean, there's a few like special places, but overall, um, just like the course itself, I'm like really picky about layout as well. Like, I don't like really weird holes or stuff like that. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's just, those three are definitely, uh, definitely my favorites. Yeah. Those are standouts. Yeah, for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
Well, Tad, look, it's been informative. Uh, it's been enlightened. And I just, I truly hope that the listeners out there got as much out of it as I did. And I cannot thank you enough for your time. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And um, I'm so thankful to be able to uh, have this platform, you know, to, to share my story and and uh, hopefully help others as well. So, uh, so yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, it, was, it was great talking to you. Without a doubt. All right. Have a good night, buddy. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye-bye.